song. It's too long, but there's not that long left. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Okay, I'm going to start. We're going to talk about Luke 4 today, but we're going to travel throughout the scriptures a little bit. Um, something that's important to know about Luke 4, Jesus is going to quote something. And it's important for us to know the song before we read what he's going to do. And so I'm going to teach you the song um, that will help you understand. Can you get the on? Okay. Okay, it goes like this. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. We're going to do this for a long time. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. A couple more times. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Okay, this side you're going to start the, the Lord's favor and you're going to do the vengeance, okay? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor day of vengeance of our God. Let's do that again. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. It's going to get annoying. Let's switch. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Again. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor day of vengeance of our God. All right, the ladies do the first part. To proclaim the day of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Do that again. To proclaim the day of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Let's switch. <laughs> to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. One more time. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All right, let's do a reggae version. <laughs> to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. of our God. One more time that way. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. All right, slow it down. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Think it's getting in your head? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. All right, just normal. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Good job. All right. 
No, that's good for you. <laughs> um, it's important for us to know that in our head because Jesus is going to do something that we won't get unless we know that song first. Okay, so we're going to start in Isaiah 61 because this is what Jesus is going to quote. The last part of Isaiah talks a lot about the messianic prophecies, and we're looking forward to what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. Um, and just to read it, we're going to say the Isaiah 61.1. He's going to say, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He's speaking as the Messiah prophetically here. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. And... To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. That's the song that you know, okay? So I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to say we a lot. And when I do that, I'm meaning putting ourselves in the place of the people who were hearing Jesus, okay? So that's when I, when I say we a lot. Okay, so the year of the Lord's favor. When we read Isaiah 61, what's he talking about, the year of the Lord's favor? When, you would, when we would hear that, we would know something about a thing called the year of Jubilee. That's what we're talking about. And so instead of explaining it to you, I'm just going to read it to you out of scriptures here. We'll read it together. Starting with Deuteronomy 15, 1 and 2. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. And this is how it's to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan that they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. That's pretty fun, right? And then later on in Deuteronomy 15, 12, if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you because of a debt um, and serve six years, in the seventh year, you must let them go free. And when you release them, don't just send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your own flock and your threshing floor and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. That's pretty amazing, right? You had to sell yourself into slavery for someone, and then on the seventh year, not only do you get to go free, but they send you with something. There's a generosity that's here. And in Leviticus 25, this is like the ultimate uh, year of the Sabbath. Uh, Leviticus 25, 8. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years among you to a period of 49 years, amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, this is a fun little Easter egg that they put around uh, in the Bible all over the place. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. For each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. And then later on in verse 39, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, don't make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers as, or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then they and their children are to be released, and they'll go back to their own clans and the property of their ancestors. Okay, are we getting the idea that the year of Jubilee was a big deal? Um, can you imagine, like, all your debts just every once in a while get just totally eradicated? And if you've had to sell yourself into slavery due to a debt, you're free. And and get sent off with some stuff as well. It's an amazing thing that this year Jubilee brings. And it became um, how 
we look at it as a, we look forward to this year of Jubilee that when the Messiah comes, he would bring some of these things into us in a, in a greater degree, okay? And so when we look forward to this, we look forward to the Messiah coming in the Messianic age, and he's bringing where the downtrodden and poor are lifted up, where debts are forgiven, the blind are healed and they can see. The captives and slaves are set free from bondage and darkness. And all this is wonderful, but then the cherry on top of it all for us is that God avenges us upon our enemies. <laughs> That's the part that we really like. I don't know if you watch movies or write, read books, and you always like it when the really bad guy gets his comeuppance in the end. So this is part of this prophecy, right, is the vengeance of the Lord. And we're a people who likes this part, right? We, the, the grand finale of all of this is we get to sit back and watch God smite our enemies as we watch and revel in the schadenfreude of it. Um, we get to see that happen. And so these two things, all these wonderful things, and watch our enemies really get it. Right? These are the two things that we look forward to for the Messianic age. And the way the Israelite people at the time thought, there's this huge us and them mentality. And always the other, the, the them, is always an enemy to us, right? It was always, uh, everyone's always against us or we're against them. So it was the people of Israel, then there was everyone else who usually equaled being an enemy. You know, at the time of Jesus, Rome was the enemy oppressor. Before that, you know, it was Egypt or Philistia or Babylon or Chaldea or the Hittites or the Girgashites or the Amorites or the Canaanites, anyites you can think of, just name them, they're probably an enemy. Even for a while, Israel split up among themselves. So there was Judah and there was Israel. And they were enemies to each other. Then there's Samaritans that, that Susie talked about last week. About, you know, they thought a lot of the same things, read the same books, worshipped in some of the same ways. But we hated them too. You know, there's always somebody we hate. And a lot of times it's somebody, it's for some reason forever ago. You know, we don't like the Moabites because back when we were wandering in the desert a thousand years ago, they didn't let us walk through their land. So we hate them now. So all these people are enemies to us. And looking through, like, the history of Israel, it's, I was thinking, can you guys think of anybody who was, like, the friends of Israel, like, for a long period of time? I couldn't come up with any. So it's become part of our mentality as Israelites that everyone's against us and we're against everyone. So it's the people of God. God is for us, but not for anyone else. So let's read the story again. Uh, we're going to go to Luke 4. So if you want to open your Bibles to that. All right, Luke 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. And he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Things were going great for Jesus. <laughs> and he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on, on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So this wasn't all planned out like this, but it was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery, from the sight for the recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We stop. You know the song, so you know what he did there. What did he leave out? 
day of vengeance of our God. Jesus made a very specific decision right there. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of the whole synagogue were fastened upon him. And he sat down and he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he began to teach. Think about why he would do that. I think it's really important for us to ask that question. Why does he stop right there? This wasn't a, a mistake. It's just like, well, I did, th- maybe the, it was the end of the page or something like that. This was on a scroll. And they, they put it all like that. It was there. And he knows that we know the song. And he stops right there. What does that mean? By dropping the vengeance part of that song, he's saying something very particular. And he's removing the other and this thought of enemy altogether. He understood that these people understood the day of vengeance of our God. They had started telling themselves a story about what that was. And it said a lot about how, what God was like, what he thought of these other people, which wasn't true. And Jesus couldn't let that stand. So when he starts, this is the first, Luke, uh, this is the first sermon we see in Luke. And this is he's putting forth what my ministry is going to be about and who I'm going to be about and what this kingdom is. And so when you remove the other, then what happens is you kind of put everyone in this great category of all. That all might get to experience the wonder of this year of Jubilee. And I know to us that sounds like great news, but put yourself in their place where your whole mentality is everyone's against us and we're against everyone. And God is our God, not God for everyone. And we don't want to share him and he doesn't like those other people either. Okay? So he says this, he leaves this out, and there's a whole lot of story we don't, we're not going to have time to really get into, but he seems to get away with the first stopping, and they still seem to like him. But Jesus, <laughs> I have this uh, internal PR person for Jesus all the time when I'm reading the scriptures, and I always want people to like him. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're doing okay, you got away with that one, and people still like you. But then he's like, let me tell you another story, just to make sure you understand what I'm saying because I understand how you think about the vengeance of God and how God thinks about others. So in verse 24, he says, Truly I tell you, he continues, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. And Jesus was sitting in his own hometown when he said that, which was confusing to them. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Sidon, in case you're wondering, enemy, other. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Again, Syria, enemy. More than that, he was a military person that was threatening Israel at the time. So Jesus starts telling these stories about these other people, the enemies, that we, in our minds, they're the ones who are going to get the day of vengeance. And Jesus tells the story right here, right after he stopped that. And so, where I'm wanting Jesus to leave it on a high note, he tells that story. <laughs> okay? So they, he's establishing the way of this new kingdom. It's very different, and it's like, it's a little bit of a 180 to these people when they hear this. Um, but he's revealing the heart of God when he's doing it, and he's establishing, okay, when I'm going to be talking, it's different now. 
It de- it's not what you're thinking of this day of vengeance. I'm leaving this out. I am bringing this jubilee, and this isn't part of it. So this is of the utmost importance because it, it has to break the heart of God that people see him as this God who loves hurting his own people, right? And so Jesus is like, we're going to change the way we think about God. Jesus removes the other in his first sermon. I'm here to announce the good news. I'm here to announce the good news of the poor, uh, to the poor, freedom from oppression, cancellation of debts, healing from blindness for everybody. He is here to announce that God loves everybody, and he sees them all as his children. They're not these enemies and friends. That his kingdom is open to all, not just a specific group. Now, this is a wonderful thing, but if you think God is mine and nobody else's, and he really doesn't like those people that I don't like, and he thinks the same way I think about them, then this, you don't know what to do with this. And what they do with this is they get really mad. <laughs> and so if you're wondering whether they got the point of Jesus, that Jesus was trying to make, here's, here's what they say in, in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked through the crowd and he went on his way. So that's how they, if you're wondering if they got the point, they got the point. Um, they tried to kill him immediately. Once this was opened up to them, he's saying, really, he's like, no, I'm coming to bring this jubilee. Yay! But to everybody, no! You know, they did not want that. They wanted it to be for them because they saw the world as enemies and friends. Jesus is correcting this false image. And we'll see it again and again through the life of Jesus. All you have to do is just read through the, the, the book of Luke again, and you'll see him. He, he goes to Samaria to bring the kingdom of God. But Jesus, it's not for them. They get the wrath. They get the vengeance day. We get the jubilee. Then the calling of Matthew, the tax collector. He's the ultimate enemy. He's one of us who's turned against us. And then the healing of the Roman centurion's servant. A Roman? Do you not know who the Romans are? Jesus doesn't seem to care. He goes on purpose to these people and begins to do this. The Canaanite woman's daughter. You know, Jesus, the Canaanites, if you read the Old Testament, they're cursed. (laughs) You can't help them out. They cannot be part of your kingdom, surely. Then he's, you know, he's got his friendship with Zacchaeus, Mary Magdalene, who the, the seven demons were uh, driven out of, the woman caught in adultery. Susie told the story of him telling the story of the hurt man last week with the Samaritan coming by. These are crazy stories to them because he's always bringing out these people that we hate and we're identifying with them in the story. The Roman soldiers for, uh, forgiving them at the end. These are things that... We don't think he should do, but he does, and he does it again and again. And after his death, we watch the Holy Spirit here, you know, that gives Peter the vision of all the different animals, and he says, kill and eat. And then soon he finds himself in the home of a Gentile man, one of these others, one of these enemies, and the Holy Spirit comes and kills him just like he kills all of us. This was hard for them to accept, but it's something that Jesus is introducing, this whole new way of thinking that God maybe looked at the world and sees everyone as people he loves and wants to reach. And Jesus says, I came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We see that in, uh, in John, uh, John 3.17. And l- listen to what Matthew says, um, quoting Jesus. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is different. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what reward have you? And this is what he's addressing here. 
Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? This is who the Father is. He makes it rain on everyone. He loves to pour his blessings out on everyone. And they used to think it was just like this and that, and that's the way we want to think. And that's sometimes what we do. You know, we have a lot of enemies these days when we look at all our ideological differences and how everyone who doesn't think like me is an idiot or we hate them. Jesus is saying that's not how the Lord thinks. That's not how it is. The thing that made people hate Jesus is that Jesus wouldn't hate people. It made them very uncomfortable because we want people to hate the same people that we hate, right? Um, That's what makes us feel good about it. But Jesus refuses to do that. And here we see just in a little, one little story, how mad it makes people, how, how mad people get when he says, you know, I'm bringing this jubilee, but I'm bringing it for everyone. I read this quote. It's hard to chase down the, like the, I read it out of a book by Brian Zahn, but um, the question is, what is an enemy? And the answer is, an enemy is someone whose story you haven't heard. Like, this is a concept I think that Jesus is bringing out here. It's like, okay, you see them only as your little mind can think about them, and they hurt you a while back, and now they're, now they're forever my enemy. But I, you really don't know the whole story here. If you knew the whole story, you're thinking of everyone as an enemy or a friend. That changes a little when you get to know someone and you hear why, the, why they do the things they do or why they believe what they believe. And so that, that's a heart of God issue there. In leaving out the end of the song that everyone knows, in removing vengeance from the minds of people, Jesus opens up a jubilee for everyone if they want to come. So four things Jesus does in this story here. One this is huge. I, I, I focused on one little part of this. There's so many sermons that could be preached from that. But he said, yeah, I'm the Messiah. <laughs> when he reads you that messianic thing and sits down and says, this is fulfilled in front of you this day, he's saying, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm bringing the, the, the jubilee. Two, I bring the year of the Lord's favor. I'm bringing the fulfillment of jubilee. And again, when you continue to read through Luke, he does all these things. Blind people are healed. People who are uh, demon-possessed and uh, held captive by these demons, they're all released. We see this again and again and again. A three, I'm not bringing the vengeance the way you understand it. I left that off on purpose because I know what you're thinking when you read that, and I'm not going to let you think it. God is not like that. Four, God is the God of all people. He's revealing this to them, not just Israel. This is new to them, remember. Right, so uh, give them a break when they, because they did try to kill him. So, but um, <laughs> maybe we went a little overboard, but it made them very mad. But not just Israel. He wants to pour out his love, his freedom, his healing, his forgiveness, his light on everyone. Because God is love. So we ask ourselves today, who's our enemy? And if we, our culture is trying to push us into thinking of a lot of people as our enemy right now. And it's easy to fall into that. But when we take a step back, the vengeance that we want for those people isn't what God wants. The day of uh, the favor of the Lord is what he's after. So as we finish, I just want to change the ending of that. We're just going to sing. Because I know you're going to leave with this in your head, so we might as well change the words to it. And I think this is the heart of what Jesus is trying to get across to them. To proclaim the year of the Lord's 
favor and the never-ending love of God. As you proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the never-ending love of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God of love who loves to pour out upon all of us. The people that think like us, the people that don't think like us, the people that look like us, the people that don't look like us. We're grateful that that's who you are. And Lord, we ask you to correct our thinking when we're thinking of the wrong things when we read things about you or when we think about you. May we open our hearts to receive your Holy Spirit, your true nature within us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.